if this IU Kentucky series is going to be brought back to life, where should these games take place? You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? It is Thursday, October 6th. This is Locked on Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. want to thank you guys for making us your first listen every single day. I want to thank Upside for being the sponsor of today's episode. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Apologies for not having a win, uh, Wednesday episode. If I'm being honest, I just kind of needed a mental health day. Uh, but we're back. We're feeling good, and it's perfect timing because uh, there is a lot to talk about when it comes to IU athletics, specifically IU basketball, both men's and women's. Most notably, obviously, I'm sure all of you have heard, uh, it, it started on Tuesday. The IU Kentucky series sure sounds like it is going to come back. Um it honestly, I expected it to be announced on Wednesday, just kind of how quickly things seem to be escalating. It may have already been announced by the time you're listening to this. Um, right now, it feels like it's a matter of just kind of TV money and getting the right venues. And we've talked about this ad nauseum. The, the venue has always kind of been this big holdup. Fred Glass, former athletic director, drew a line in the sand that you better come to our campus once every four years or it's a no-go. And John Calipari's line in the sand was, I'm not going to anybody's campus unless it's a conference game. So the two just had a staring contest. Fred Glass has moved on. I don't know if there was kind of bad blood, resentment, whatever it was. Things have cooled. And it sounds like the two sides have come back to the table willing to discuss some things. Um, And I'm hopeful because I really enjoy this series. I've mentioned many, many times I was at the watch shot game. My favorite moment in all of sports. Like it's one of the best moments of my life being at that game. I want other people to experience moments like that. I want this game to come back. And instead of kind of relitigating the whole matter and talking about a lot of things that we've talked about ad nauseum over and over again, I thought we'd we'd add a different mix to it, different twist to it. If they're going to bring this back, what are the top five places this game should be played at? Number one is simple. Assembly Hall, Rupp Arena. It should have never been changed. That's what it was. That's even what it was when Calipari was there. That's just what it should be to me. And I know we'll, we'll talk about it here in a minute. I know that's not how it always used to be, but just play it as a home and away. It is simple. It is a top opponent for both teams. Knock on wood that IU stays at this level for both teams. Just play it as a home and away game. The problem is I would be stunned if Calipari ever steps foot into assembly hall again. He was already someone that was not well-liked, and he is the front-facing reason for why this series has not continued. So the minute that man steps into Assembly Hall, the boos are going to be able to be heard in not just Indianapolis, South Bend. It is going to rain down on him. And he obviously didn't like how the fans rushed the floor and put his players in danger in that watch shot game. 
So be it. Uh, I don't ever want players in danger, but that's just kind of the nature. If you're going to be a top program and you're going to lose a game, you're going to get the floor is going to be rushed. The court's going to be stormed. Like that's just kind of the nature of it. You can't really have it both ways. Um, and so ultimately the game should be played at assembly hall and Rupp again. I'd be stunned if they are whenever this announcement comes. So what's number two, Gambridge Fieldhouse. Easy. Uh, the games used to be played at the RCA Dome or Hoosier Dome or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it was kind of that 50-50 split, red and white on either side. It, aesthetically, it was it was pleasing. It's a lot of people you can fit in there for the game. Uh, it's not a neutral site by any means, but it is a not-on-campus site, which seems to be where the lines are being drawn. Gamebridge would be awesome. Um it's a place Indiana's had success anyway. Uh, they need to go back there now that the Crossroads Classic is no longer a thing. Having this as a regular game to go play at Gamebridge would be awesome. Uh, I fully support it. It'd be a, a fun time. It's a great venue. Uh, IU fan, it would be a sellout, like between IU and Kentucky fans. It'd be a, a huge at, or a huge crowd with a great atmosphere. Sign me up all positives. I would be fine with it being at Gamebridge. Just, I really, I really don't want this to leave campuses, but I mean, I, I, it's something I also just need to accept. Number three, the Yum Center, which probably should go with number two because they're not just going to play this game at, at Gamebridge. Like Kentucky's going to want something back in, in Kentucky. Uh, so the Yum Center, whatever, all the same things apply. Gamebridge Fieldhouse, uh, if I was a betting man, I would be betting on Gamebridge Yum Center being the two locations for like a four-year deal or something like that. Home and away uh, on these neutral sites. I guess they're not technically home and away, but whatever. Gamebridge and Yum Center rotating for the next four years. Number four, this is a stretch. I don't think there's enough fans. I wrote Lucas Oil Stadium. I really am not a fan of playing basketball games on um football fields there's also a lot of caveats here in that this comes during football season so it'd have to be a bye week uh so the game probably couldn't be a, a regular date um that's i i, I don't love it you, you kind of quickly run out of locations f for a reason i'll talk about in a minute I also don't think there's enough IU and Kentucky fans to sell that place out. That's a lot of people. Um, it would be a warm up for tournament games, just shooting in that environment. There isn't a football stadium like that in Kentucky. So uh, there isn't really an equivalent to play kind of a home and away. Kentucky, I think has played a, a couple times at Lucas oil. A lot of times it's the closest place regionally for them. Uh, and they're usually one of the higher seeds, so that matters to them. I don't love the idea. I wouldn't be stunned if it's something that's done. But again, with football season, it's hard to do to, to put a basketball court out there. Uh, it's probably not something they want to do. So I, I'd be a little surprised just from that front uh, of them playing this game at Lucas Oil. The thing is, and my fifth one is kind of open-ended. I'm open to suggestions from you guys. 
I, I talked to some other people. Madison Square Garden, maybe. This just feels to me like such a Midwest-specific um, rivalry that I don't want to like outsource it to Madison Square Garden. An aircraft carrier was the other one. Um, I think Kentucky's played on them before. I don't think Indiana has. It's something they've done. But again, you're, you're going to have to go west to, to California or Hawaii or wherever those games are typically played. It feels weird to outsource it. Like, I want this in the Midwest where there are homegrown Indiana and Kentucky fans. And you start to kind of quickly run out of places in this area. Maybe you send it to Chicago. I don't love that idea either, especially, like, if you're going to the United Center, why not just play it at GameBridge in the Yum Center? Uh, I'm not sure what the fifth answer is. Maybe I'm not thinking creatively enough. Give me your suggestions. Where do you want to see this game played at if it's none of those? If it's none of those, it feels like, I don't know, how how do they play the game? Like, I, it's odd at that point, but let me know. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, should they go to Atlanta or, um, I really don't know, St. Louis, I guess? I'm trying to think of places in the kind of general Midwest, South that would... That would work. I don't love any of these ideas. So let me know what you guys think. Uh, on the women's side, the Big Ten released their preseason awards. Grace Berger and Mackenzie Holmes both are named to the all-Big Ten preseason team. We'll give you all the details on that here in just a moment. But from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping eye popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And guys, it really hurts. I don't need to tell you that. That's why I'm starting to use Upside. Upside's an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. It's simple. I use it every time I go and get gas. Um, At this point, I know the gas stations around me that have it, so I drive to the gas station, pull up the Upside app, check in, uh, and then just pay. It's simple. Uh, and the next day, roughly 24 hours later, I get a notification from upside that I've had money added to my wallet in the app. So to get started, just download the free upside app, use my promo code locked and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Uh, next you claim the offer. Like I said, wherever you're buying, uh, on upside, I'm admittedly, I've only used it at gas stations. I haven't tried it at groceries or getting food, things like that. But like I said, you just go to the, uh, whatever the place is, you check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card and get paid in comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs. You can earn three times more cash back with upside upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the app store. So download the free upside app and, or use promo code excuse me, download the free upside app and use promo code locked to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code locked. Let's talk some women's basketball. They released the preseason all big 10 awards on Wednesday. The conference did a little bit of difference between the coaches poll or coaches rankings and the media rankings. What is not different is that both Grace Berger and McKenzie Holmes are on the preseason, all big 10 teams. It is a 10 person list. Both of them, as I said, are on both lists. Now, minor interesting. 
the coaches poll. Um, so the preseason All Big Ten team for the coaches had five unanimous selections. Grace Berger among them, with Caitlin Clark and Monica Sinano uh, from Iowa, Taylor Mikesell and J.C. Sheldon from Ohio State. Interestingly, the coaches voted Ohio State to finish second and Indiana third. Um, surprising. It, to me, it feels more like a two-horse race with Indiana and Iowa and Ohio State a level below, but I mean, the coaches know a lot more about basketball than I do. I was a little caught off guard by that. Uh, the rest of the coaches' uh, ranking or preseason team is Mackenzie Holmes, Diamond Miller of Maryland, Leah Brown of Michigan, Alexis Markowski of Nebraska, McKenna Marissa Sr., or McKenna Marissa, a senior at Penn State. Um, when you look at the media poll, a, a much tougher crowd. Uh, the, only Caitlin Clark and J.C. Sheldon are unanimous preseason All Big Ten. That is, Monica Sinano was incredible. Like I, I'd be interesting to see the ballots on that one. Uh, but the media predict Indiana to finish second, Ohio State third. Regardless, I think those three teams are clear of the rest of the conference. Both had Maryland fourth. The coaches had Michigan fifth. The media had Nebraska fifth. Uh, Grace Berger, McKenzie Holmes, uh, Monica Sinano, Diamond Miller, Leah Brown, Alexis Markowski, Taylor Mikesell, and McKenna Marissa are the rest of the media team. Those are identical. Um, so the teams are identical. It's just a matter of who was unanimous or not. And uh, the rest of the the names kind of filled out, uh, got on there with enough points or however they do it. Both predicted Caitlin Clark to be the Big Ten preseason player of the year. Not shocking. She's incredible. It is, it's just interesting to me. Uh, the two things of um, Grace Berger being unanimous among the coaches, uh, which seems to me would mean more. I would think I know I'm the media, so I, maybe I should say the media means more. If the coaches are saying I'm unanimous, like that feels like it's it's more noteworthy. Um, so I I that stuck out to me, as did though that Ohio State being above Indiana. That it's really surprising. Um, the coaches may not vote objectively; they may be petty about things. Look, as a member of Team Petty. I support pettiness. So I'm not going to put a ton into uh, that coach's preseason ranking. It just really surprised me. Uh, ultimately, I mean, maybe I don't, I'm not giving Ohio state enough credit. Maybe it is a, a legitimate three horse race. Maybe I was far and away the, the favorite and Ohio state and Indiana are fighting for second. I don't think that's the case. Uh, we'll, we'll find out in the coming weeks. Uh, got about a month, a little less than a month now. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting Big Ten season. IU's going to have two of the best players, not just in the conference, in the country, uh, suiting up for them. And, I mean, if you look at it, <clears throat> those three teams I mentioned are the only ones that have two players on the Big Ten uh, all pre or preseason teams. So, a lot of two-horse races in this one. They match up perfectly with... Caitlin Clark and Monica Sonano. That duo from Iowa got the better of Indiana every time last season. They were fun games. They were exciting games every time. They all ended in losses. So 
we'll see. I'm sure there's a lot of motivation there to get the better of Iowa. That's a daunting task, but Iowa, I, I really didn't mean this. They're never daunted. IU is never daunted. So, uh, it, they they set high goals in the past. I know that for a while they really, really wanted to beat Maryland, and they did it. They did it multiple times last season. Uh, I don't know that they would admit it outwardly. I think a lot of their goals are going to be titles, Big Ten titles, uh, Big Ten tournament titles, things like that. But I, I bet this group really wants to beat this Iowa team, especially with how they, how many times they lost, how important all those games were last season. Uh, both in the regular season games really determined, um, the big 10 title and IU stumbled and lost it down the stretch and then literally the big 10 championship game. So, uh, those games are going to be really, really big. I'm excited. This is going to be a really fun women's basketball season with Wednesday kind of giving us our first glimpse of that on the note of women's basketball. Let's talk about, uh, the freshmen do a little bit of a freshman preview uh, for this women's basketball team, what to expect from them. We'll dive into that here in just a moment. Now, I'm going to be honest. I would love to be able to do individual kind of freshman previews. We're going to do it on the men's side. Unfortunately, that type of information is not available for women's college basketball. So, I, I wanted to, I tried to, I'm not going to be able to do a, um, a full women's basketball preview for each freshman. So I kind of grouped them all together in as one, some of them, it might be selling a little short, but my apologies, I'd love to do more, but ultimately there are four names on this list. Uh, I think all four could have roles this season. Lexus Bargesser, I, I know I'm saying that wrong, is the only one of those ranked uh, by ESPN to the point I was making. There's really only one women's college basketball recruiting board, and it's by ESPN. And Lexus was ranked number 68, a four-star prospect last season, comes in as a 5'9 guard. So if you translate it to the men's game, if you have a four-star prospect, top 75 coming in, you would expect that person uh, to have a role on the team. And I expect Lexus to have a role on this team. And Nana lost a, a, <clears throat> a couple guards from last year's team. There's holes to be filled. There's a number of different people that could fill them. Uh, but among them is going to be Lexus. Sarah Scalia is going to fill in that as well. Sydney Parrish. We'll talk about both them later on uh, as we move forward. But ultimately... Uh, Lexus is going to, I think, play a role in this team. Yarden Garzon uh, is going to come in from Israel. She averaged 14.9 points per game, shot 43.8% uh, overseas. She's a 6'3 guard. Uh, it's She's listed as kind of a guard or a forward. If you're 6'3 and you can shoot 44% from three, She's going to see time on the court. <laughs> IU did not shoot well from three last year. They added a number of players that are going to be able to knock down threes. It's a new facet of the game that's going to be unlocked this season. I think Garzon's going to be among those. Um, she played, um, as I said, in Israel. She's played in 
high pressure international game. So she's not, uh, she's not new to this is basically what I'm saying. So I, I can see her stepping in, uh, again, something that IU did not have last year on top of the three point shooting is a reliable bench. They really only went seven deep, um, which hurt them in the regular season when those games mounted up because of COVID, uh, that crushed them. If I'm being honest, they ran out of gas. Having Lexus, Yarden, the transfers coming in, the girls coming back, there's a lot of people. They lost five girls and are gaining seven. Uh, so simple math there is telling you that more people should be able to step up. Not everybody's going to have a big role coming in, but more people should be able to step up. Lily Meister, a 6'3 forward, averaged 22 and 11 as a senior last year. Again, you lose Goulbay. Um, you're gaining Alyssa Geary and Lily Meister coming in. The front court was particularly thin last year. Most, I mean, mainly because Mackenzie Holmes went down mid season. Um, protecting her, even if she's going to be available, you don't want to push her too much. You want to keep her healthy. So, People like Meister, I could see getting some spot minutes in games as well. Henna Sandvik is the last one, averaged 13 and 5 in Finland. Again, a six foot guard. She has size. Uh, she could get some time out there. There there are holes to be filled in that backcourt as a ball handler. Whether it is Sarah Scalia is going to see a lot of time, but Lexis, Yarden Garzon, Henna Sandvik, any combination of them. <clears throat> they're going to see minutes, whether as a primary ball handler, whether playing off ball, Grace Berger can play as a point guard and she will play as a point guard a fair amount this year. So if any of those girls can play off ball as well, there there's, there's minutes to be had up and down this lineup everywhere. Um, you don't lose five girls like I, you did four of them uh, playing. I mean, realistically they lose Nicole Cardania, Hillary, Alexa Goulbay, Ali Patberg, Grace Wagner. Uh, those middle three played enormous roles and played enormous minutes for Indiana. That's a lot of production just in terms of minutes that you're going to have to replace. So there's a lot of people that are going to step up. A lot of them, I, I think, will be freshmen. So we'll see how they, uh, how this group fits in, who can potentially stand out, who can potentially make a big impact because uh, this is an exciting year. I think it's going to be a season in which IU is going to have much more of a bench and we'll see uh, if they're able to utilize some of these newcomers and get the most out of them coming in. Thanks again, guys, for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen every single day. We'll be back tomorrow to preview IU versus Michigan football on Saturday. Know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Everyday host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen. Locked On Big Ten. I was on today's episode talking about just the state of the Big Ten. The Big Ten in football this season is is rough. It's a very top-heavy group. Uh, we also talked about some interesting comments from a former Fox uh, president about the Pac-12 and whether – 
team should even want to come to the Big Ten. So plenty to talk about there. Follow us on Twitter if you have not already. Subscribe to the podcast if you can. Leave a quick rating and review. Helps us out a ton. Most importantly, though, guys, take care of yourselves. If you need a mental health day like I did, just check out for a day. Um, And, as always, LEO.